Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast for My Dog Will Eat My Face. I had a number of topics to share uh, this week, and I've been completely torn with which direction to take uh, today's podcast and sharing them, because they're such uh, diametrically opposed things that they don't really wedge together very well. So I think what I'm going to share in this podcast is two things that don't go together very well. That's the only solution. So I just need to share a rather brief health update uh, because unfortunately the last week has been very trying for me to put it mildly uh, I've had things actually get still worse than the way they've been um, for a while as I've said so eloquently to my hospice nurses I think my honeymoon is over. I had a quick uh, comeback of some sort, but I'm back to declining once more again. And I'll certainly share the details of that. But that always just sounds so negative when I do that. And it paints a picture, I think, of me just sort of living a miserable, (laughs) lousy existence of immense suffering. And nothing actually could be further from the truth. And The reason why I say that is because of one thing. And it's strange that I've never dedicated any podcast to this in all this time. I've I've spoken about it in passing, most certainly. But I've never, I don't think, fully dedicated a full discussion onto truly the best part of my life these days. And I'll uh, Spare the suspense as to what that is, and you won't be the least bit surprised when I share that it's actually my dog who makes my life substantially better. Now, I know I've talked about him in, in passing in, in certain other podcasts, and my desire to make his days better as something that I can still achieve as a positive influence on someone, for example. But I never really 
shared his full story. And it's actually a little confusing because when I started this podcast, I had another dog who unfortunately passed away. And I was very, very uh, grief-driven from that. I, I was... I was definitely out of sorts. But under a lot of pressure that I got from the strangest of places, actually, I made an effort to readopt a new dog. And I'm at a position now to where I can absolutely say that he is absolutely... (laughs) How many times can I say absolutely? He is absolutely the best part of my life right now. And that was true for my old dog, and that's become true for my new dog. And so, even though the namesake, for example, my podcast was referring to another individual, um, I did adopt again, and uh, that relationship has really turned into something special as well. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Again, these are two very different topics that I could not necessarily find a way to mesh together. So not being able to fit a square into a a square peg into a, a circular hole or something. I am just going to throw the pieces on the floor and let them lie where they lie and say, whatever. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) And uh, that's that's how I'll do it, which is actually very reflective of much of my life. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so yeah. Stay with me and I'll I'll talk about both those topics here today. Okay, so I will get the negative news out of the way to start off. Uh, this week, I suppose. I am the uh, rip the band-aid right off kind of guy, so that makes sense. Uh, Unfortunately, I've been fainting suddenly uh, a lot more than I was previously. I know I went through a period of time where It was a serious problem. I think it's under the podcast title, something along the lines of gravity is my enemy or something like that. Uh, 
but I, I was doing okay more recently. Uh, that is, no fainting or collapsing or falling, anything like that, for a good little while. But, as I already said, I think my honeymoon is over because uh, that is now recurring as it used to. And unfortunately... I fainted when I was standing uh, in the bathroom, which has you know, real hard floors, of course. <laughs> no carpeting or anything. So I just fell over and passed out, and uh, every part of my body that hit the ground with all my weight behind it got really bruised and was bleeding actually. I was bleeding pretty bad from one of my elbows, which hit the floor pretty hard. And it was also really scuffed up. I hit my head a little bit and knocked even some drywall off that landed on me. It, it, it was bad to put it mildly and I uh, had to get an emergency nurse to visit to make sure my vitals were okay and I didn't have a concussion things like that so the good news is I didn't have a concussion from that but the bad news is that fainting uh, continued throughout the last week, but thankfully it's all always happened to occur while I was already sitting down. <laughs> so that's some good fortune, I guess. Um, yeah, so it, uh, there was one fall that was dramatic and I got pretty beaten up by it. The other fainting spells, though, were just that. And I, I was already in a chair. And I would just kind of, like, come to a little bit later, missing time, or... or the show I was watching was over or something. And I'd realized that I'd just apparently suddenly lost consciousness and came to... So that's much less dramatic than having a fall or into it. Or one of my worst fears, like it, uh, it occurring as I'm looking into a hot oven or reaching into it when I'm cooking something. That's one of my worst fears of me going head first into the oven. <laughs> Full blast on broil or something, some broiling something. Oh, that'd be so bad. But that didn't happen, thankfully. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that, that's really the only negative news is that uh, the collapsing and the fainting is, is getting worse again. And the reason that I've understood for that is because my heart briefly stops. Uh, the 
The thing that I was told from my cardiologist way back in the day is that the pressures on my left side and my right side of the heart and lungs are supposed to be quite differential because the heart works like a pump and, and that relies on a differential pressure. Um, and if you know how those work, like for example, if there's a, if you ever like uh, feel a plug or an empty pipe at the bottom of a pool, it might create a differential pressure to where the water going into the smaller space versus the larger space could cause a very intense pressure that can suck you into the pipe and, you know, can do real damage, actually. Uh, there's been cases where divers dealing with this and larger pipes, like, say, gas pipes that go into repair get sucked into the pipe because of the differential pressure and their bodies literally just get crushed and ripped apart as they fit their body in, into something that normally they would never fit in uh, because the pressure was so high. Um, anyway, uh, so part of how the heart works normally in a healthy person is the right side pressure is relatively low and the left side pressure is relatively high. It's nothing too dramatic as like a swimming pool pipe or something like that. But there is still a differential and that's how, that's how the heart pumps. That's how it moves blood and oxygen around um, in your heart and lungs. But in my case, I have for some reason always have had very low quote-unquote blood pressure, which is really just the left side pressure that they detect on the cuff, you know, a blood pressure cuff. So I've, I, I've always had normal to close to the low end blood pressure. I have never in my life had high blood pressure. That sounds great, except... If the right side of my heart and lungs is exceedingly high in pressure because of a malformed artery, like in my case, um, or no artery actually in my case, and just a synthetic shunt, the right side can become taxed extremely high with the amount of pressure that it has to exert to function. So the pressure on my right side is so high that there are times where it might equalize with the left side pressure. And when that happens, the heart stops. And it might just stop for a moment. Yeah, well, in fact, obviously, that's all it has done to me. I mean, it could kill me. I might not ever wake up. I mean, that's, that's definitely a good way to die. But I've been, I guess, lucky in that the pressure 
would then resolve just enough seconds later to where my heart could restart and I would regain consciousness. So, um, that, that's the problem. And when I have my heart stop, even just for a moment, down I go, out I go. And of course the big fear is that one of these times I'll never wake up, I'm dead. Uh, so that, that's the problem. And, and, and that problem is also why I've been written off for all surgery possibilities because the pressures are so high in my right lungs, the mortality rate for any sort of surgical intervention would be just far too high for this any um, surgical group to take. And but it's been presented to several uh, prominent ones in the country, um, surgical groups in the country, and they've all... Um, universally declined, uh, saying that I was not operable because of the mortality rate was so excessively high because of the pressures on my right side. And that's because when you go into anesthesia, of course, your, your blood pressure on the left side, it's going to drop. And in my case, the fear is if it drops too low, just a hair thin, it could cause me to go into cardiac arrest. And so that's the problem. And I even remember my last surgery years and years ago. It was still an issue then, but the anesthesiologist did do it, and he said it's a big challenge. He's going to actually have several of them in there because of the right side pressure being so high. I have to be just barely under, you know, without consciousness, and I can't be put into a deep anesthetic sleep because the risk of my blood pressure dropping too low and my heart stopping because the pressures were so high on the right side. It was just incredibly high of a risk. And, and he was really scared to do it. And that was my last surgery, maybe 10 years ago or so. And since then, it's of course only gotten dramatically worse. And so now it's without failure, something that I'm ineligible for. Anyway, so that's happening again to where the heart's stopping and I'm going down. But as you can tell, my heart came back. I am not a ghost or a zombie. <laughs> um, some might argue that, but um, yeah, so that, that's, that's the truth of it. And it's an issue and it's something that's really resurfaced. Unfortunately, with that, there was a lot of potential injuries. When you fall, you hit your head, you could 
really cause other damage to your body. And that's what I'm sort of faced with. And I have co caused considerable damage to my body from falling uh, just in the last week. So there you have it. So now I'm going to do a, an enormous left turn here <laughs> uh, and talk a little bit about um, the person who the name of my podcast is actually based upon. And you could say it's, it's as I've already indicated, based on two. Uh, because I've had two dogs in the time of me having this podcast and, and recording it. The first pooch who I'll speak of now, first, obviously, I had had for most of my adult life, honestly... He was originally a Valentine's Day puppy, only three and a half months old, that I bought from a pet store to give to my ex. Obviously, it wasn't for my ex at the time. We were together. That'd be really creepy, giving my ex something. <laughs> But anyway, I I tried I tried to do like a Valentine's Day puppy gift, but lo and behold, uh, of course, my ex had nowhere to put the dog, so I ended up stuck with the dog, <laughs> which was really uh, almost a hallmark story because. I generally am a very clean person. I'm, I can be very, very anal retentive. And I certainly was when I got this puppy. And uh, I did name him, of course, and I named him comically Nero. <laughs> so, yeah, I named him the Antichrist. <laughs> um... And he was, he was actually a really cute little dapple dachshund uh, puppy when I got him. So, it, you know, with the name Nero, you think maybe it's a huge Rottweiler or something. But no, <laughs> it was a little dapple dachshund, but that's how I named him that. Uh, I was being ironic. Um, and... Yeah, so I ended up being stuck with him from the get-go because uh, it, it just didn't work out. The gift didn't work out, and then the relationship didn't work out. So I had this puppy that had no potty training or anything, and I lived in this anal retentive home where any mess would just freak me out. And as anyone knows with puppies... You got to get that out of your system right away. 
because you'll just kill yourself with stress. You have to accept that things are going to be damaged or destroyed. There's going to be a lot of disgusting messes you're going to have to pick up. And, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. And, and I actually almost gave him up. I was to the point, actually, of writing the ad to sell him. Um, and I had it ready to go to the newspaper. And I was all the way up to the point of, of just clicking submit. Because I was so frustrated with him because he was a puppy. And peeing everywhere and chewing on everything. And I was an anal retentive schmuck. <laughs> So, you know, those two things don't get along. But I actually held off and talked to my mom about it, of all things, of all people and things. I was telling her that I was about to submit this ad to get rid of him and give him up for adoption to someone else. And she told me vehemently not to do it. She said, no, 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 no. He will be a wonderful companion for you. Don't you dare do it. If you give him up, you will regret it. And I didn't really believe her, but I paused. So I said, okay, I'm just going to leave this here. I'm not going to submit it. And I'll sleep on it, and we'll take it from there. Well, the next day came and went, and again, I slept on it. And then again the next day and the next, and then eventually I really grew to adore the little guy. It was a total, like, uh, lifetime movie. Of this anal retentive ass who was me <laughs> getting a little puppy and who he just loathed at first and then in the end just fell utterly in love with. And it, yeah, it, it was just like a Lifetime movie. It was kind of funny. Um, so I, I had him for a very long time, long before I started the podcast. And he was actually a show dog, believe it or not. Um, when I went to the pet store and got him... And when I got all the adoption papers where they give you the paperwork on the dog, it came with a family tree. And they, they had it going back like three generations to all these bizarro names like Sunshine Delight Megastar and then 
like that was his mother, and then his grandpa was named, I don't know, you know, just something like Happy Days Are Here Again, just these weird long names. I'm like, what the hell is up with these names? <laughs> My ex told me, those are show dog names. You bought a show dog <laughs> like it did? Yes. Oh, oops. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. So he was a, he was actually a, a third generation show dog bred, you know, for that. But I didn't know that. You know, I was just getting a dog. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and uh, yeah, I had him basically from when he was just away from his mom, just a few months old. And he stuck with me for almost uh, 16 years. The last few years were the hardest because I did get married eventually, and the dog came with me. You know, we were we were a package deal. <laughs> but then I got divorced. <laughs> and I really didn't have the heart to take away my dog from this new ex of mine. One of the exes, yeah. <laughs> I really didn't. And... We decided to actually share custody of the dog after the divorce. So the dog would, would be with me with for uh, one week and then with my ex for another week. And then we would adjust it as needed because both of us were traveling for work and, you know, you never knew what was going on. So it we were always really agreeable with one another for the most part to share the custody. And in a way, it kind of worked out for me because if I had any say in my travel dates, I could plan it ahead where I would have someone else there who the dog knows and loves and trusts to take care of the dog. I didn't need a dog sitter or put him in a you know, prolonged daycare or something like that. And so, in a weird way, it actually worked out pretty well, for me at least, you know, I could, it gave me a week off to where I could do things where the dog couldn't be included. And for whatever reason, or I had a business trip or something. And then on the on the weeks where I'd have him, I'd, I'd remove things like that as much as I could so I can maximize my time with the dog. And my ex was doing the same thing on their end. So it was like, a, he was like massively spoiled, my dog, because <laughs> he was being under shared custody and no matter which one he was under, both of us were just spoiling, just spoiling him to death. I, I shouldn't say that because that's, he did die, but they were just spoiling him uh, uh, to the hill, you know, he, and so he probably loved it. <laughs> it was always hard, though, to do the transfer. I do admit that was always a little bit difficult. But 
It was always a thrill when it came my week or my turn and I got to pick them up. So there's the trade-off, you know, and, you know, so we, we were very reasonable and, and, and it actually worked out as best as it could. Um, but 16 years later, he, it was so weird. He, uh, He was fine during the day. He was playing. He was chewing on his chew toy. He ate his dinner. I mean, he was doing great. And generally, he he was very healthy. He had a very healthy diet. He had a Cadillac health plan for dogs that I got through my employer. And so he was fully insured and at all the vaccinations you could think of, you know, and the slightest thing that was wrong with him, he could go to the vet and be taken care of, you know, spare no expense because he, he was covered to the hilt um, with his insurance. And he was doing really well. And then just one night, Shortly before Thanksgiving, when he was with me, he had diarrhea. And at first, it was just like normal diarrhea, and that happens. But then at like 5 o'clock in the morning the next day, he really had to go out. I took him out. And he had diarrhea, but it was all blood. Just gushing blood out of him. And I'm like, well, that's not right. So he was rushed to the emergency room a little bit later. And then I got a call from the vet saying that he had passed away. They said he was fine at first. They were just walking him around and he just collapsed. And they tried giving him uh, CPR, and he just wouldn't come back, and he was dead. And it was very sudden, unexpected. Like I said, the day before, he was totally fine. Ate his dinner completely, a lot of it. Was playing, was, was chewing on his chew toy, like... Nothing was wrong, and the next thing I knew, blood was pouring out of him, and a few hours later, when he was at the vet, he just collapsed, and that was it. Oh, and that was very hard. That was very difficult for me. Needless to say. And in fact, it was part of a very difficult time because there were a series of events that all happened relatively very close to one another. First, I was kicked in a hospice. Then, my mother died suddenly, unexpectedly. Then... My dog died 
suddenly and unexpectedly. And it was just like so much of the things dear to me were just being ripped away in a matter of weeks. It, it was unreal. I, I had true friends of mine that were worried I was not going to make it, that I was actually going to do something off myself or something. They didn't say it to my face at the time, but they told me later on, much later, they were worried. And it wasn't because I was given threats. It was just because of how severely distraught I was. But I didn't. Um, and I mourned his loss. I have his ashes and his paw prints. And I have a little shrine to him that I built in the bookshelves of my office. So, yeah. At the time, I thought of changing the name of the podcast, but I kept it as it was because changing the name is just a pain in the butt once it's out there. And time passed. And eventually... I could come to uh, my second dog, who I'll now talk about. So, four months came to pass, and Obviously, through that time, I was grieving the loss of Nero, my dog, for 16 years. It was a a long relationship, so to speak. And eventually, I got a lot of external pressure from the strangest place to uh, adopt again. The place where a lot of that pressure came from was not through my friends or anyone I would even call my peers. It didn't come from family, certainly. But as I said already, I was already in hospice when he passed. So, um, the medication delivery girl for the hospice pharmacy came to know uh, Nero when he was my dog, so he'd always go to the door. And all of them and the nurses, they came to know him. And I got intense pressure after 
four or five months, I think, from my medication delivery people. <laughs> and also, like one woman, and also her husband, who I've never met in my life. And they all teamed up together to try to find me another dog to adopt. And I know it sounds like, oh, they should stay in their place. It's another business. I mean, yeah, but they were now a part of my life. I came to know these people. They deliver me my medications every week, you know, and their reasoning was the love that I showed to that dog was so amazing that they felt it would be wasted if I did not adopt again. They said, I need to adopt again because if I don't, I am just wasting away so much love that I have available to give to another dog and make them happy. And of course I push back saying, I'm in hospice, dude. I could be dead soon. I shouldn't be adopting a dog now. They retorted, I don't care. <laughs> what was their response? I don't care. The amount of love that you can give to a dog in the time you're here is worth it. And it was a hard sale. But I finally gave in a little bit and said, okay, but... Oh, I don't know who to adopt. And they said, oh, don't worry. We'll do all the research for you and we'll email you the options and you can choose. And then they can come to you for the first meeting. And if you like them, you can think on it or you can take them in for another meeting, a longer meeting if you want. I mean, if you want to try another dog that, that you want to see if you get along better with, yeah, we'll help you through all that. I'm like, okay. So they started emailing me a lot of pictures of dogs. Um, and I said, I don't think I want a puppy, a brand new puppy again, you know, but because house training is rough. I, th I think that'd be a little too rough for me. So I'd be saying, you know, two to three years old, maybe even a year old, is probably my ideal adoption range. Not over three, though. Um, but not brand new puppy just away from his mom, because that, that's a lot of responsibility. And, you know, I, I don't think I had the health to give them what they needed and that's fair and they they totally said yep that makes total sense and so they sent me these you know profiles of all these dogs and blah 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 and i went through them and i was just kind of yeah blah blah you know i i, I didn't really think anything of them until one time the husband of my medication delivery person, <laughs> all people, emailed me uh, uh, like a screen capture of a dog that was available that he thought 
I would like. And then I, I saw it. It was the main dog on the screen, and I was just like, eh, you know. But below that, that bigger picture, there's like a tile photos of other puppies and dogs available, you know, like on the bottom of the web page where you could scroll and view as well. But I, I just saw this little tile on the bottom, like with a little picture and name. And there was a little picture of a puppy, and his name was Carter. And I said, tell me more, actually, about Carter. I, I don't know why. I just zoomed in and honed in right on him. Like a, like a heat-sinking missile. I don't know what it was. It was just like, bam. I saw him, I was like, huh, tell me more about this one, actually. And, and I couldn't explain to you why. Uh, I just had a weird drive, a weird feeling to know more about this dog. And so they did. And they told me, unfortunately, he's had a kind of a rough go of it. And they told me more. <laughs> uh... Is, well, as I said already, his name is Carter. And the story I got from the um, uh, what do you know, the, the, the story from the foster care people, the, the foster adoption agency or whatever that was taking care of him said that he was actually picked up from police custody. <laughs> um, what happened was is he was living in a double-wide trailer in some town in New Mexico. I think they said it was on, the, on a reservation, too. He was on the res in a double-wide and there was a police raid of this double-wide trailer, and they busted up, basically, the owner for baking uh, meth and fentanyl in the trailer. And when they did that and they you know they busted up the drug lab and they arrested all the people doing it well there was this little dog there and obviously they had to do something so they took him into police custody and didn't really know what to do with them the, the dog's previous owner or at the time, you could say current owner was not getting out of jail anytime soon. They were going to the big house because it was a big drug lab that was going on. They couldn't bail out, and they were going away for years. They're going to for prison, you know, 20, 30 years. So he needed a new home. <laughs> so that's a pretty rough beginning. So I even got a picture of him behind bars in police custody. They put him in like a little crate and had these prison-like bars on it. <laughs> and 
He looks scared and and super thin and it was so sad. And but when I learned that about him, I'm like, I think I love him even more. And so I asked for a visit, a meet and greet, which they arranged and they brought him over to me. And I actually had some dog toys that Nero had, but he never really played with them. So all of the toys that Nero really played with, he had tons of them. He had mountains of them. All the ones he played with on a regular basis, uh, I put them basically away for, uh, I don't know memorial purposes, you know, like I put his favorite toys up as part of his, uh, his little shrine that I made that I talked about, but there were a few toys in there that he never really touched, you know, he just like, whatever, they just, he never really liked them. So I kind of filtered those out because I could, I felt wrong giving toys that Nero really played with to a new dog that was kind of twisted and weird to me. So I was like, well, let me just get some of these other little toys that, I mean, he had, but he never played with. And so I did that when he visited. I gave him a toy, and he right away played with me. It was super sweet, and cuddly and and just love playing i played with him he played tug of war he played with his squeaky toy and i was just hooked <laughs> it was like love at first sight and before the foster person could leave i said i'll take him <laughs> i want him I'm like oh okay that was fast <laughs> and uh what they did is they said, well, we'll give you a week to prepare for him, you know, get his stuff ready for him, and then we'll be back in a week to drop him off. And then also, you know, we'll handle the financials and the pet insurance and then all that jazz, you know, and, and you can get him in bed, a puppy bed, and more toys for him or whatever you need, food, all that. And so that's what I did. I I got him some of his own toys. I got him his own puppy bed, brand new. I didn't give him... I could not give him the puppy beds that uh, Nero had. Uh, that was To me, that would just be sick and weird. I'm not going to do that. So I got him, like, brand new. Most, uh, pretty much everything. You know, I, I didn't want... Uh, I didn't even give him uh, Nero's blanket, which was a really nice blanket. To me, it, it was weird. So it was like new stuff. I knew everything, you know. Um, so that week was, was perfect for that. You know, I could, and I could stock up on treats and food and, you know, be ready. And he, as promised, came over and... It ever since has been fantastic. Um, 
I'm absolutely at the point now where I could not imagine my life without Carter. Who, by the way, they said, oh, you can change his name if you want. I'm like, I am not going to do that. He has a sense of who he is already. He has a name. He's two years old. (laughs) I'm going to change his name and screw with his head like some, you know the color purple stuff or or just some creepy thing you know no he, he has a name already so I, I i kept his name as is i firmly believe that dogs have a sense of self they're sentient animals and i'm not going to screw with his head like that <laughs> so that's just, that just seemed weird so I'm like, no, oh, he has a name already. And when I got Nero, he had no name. He was just away from his mom. When I got Carter, he's, he was two and a half. He had a name. Yeah, to me, that's fine. He's got a name. But, uh, yeah, we, we became very close. He, gosh, in foster care, he had to sleep in a, uh, like a, crate he was crated and all that and I was like oh no we're not doing that (laughs) he uh, ever since sleeps in bed with me and I'm with him 24-7 because I am on disability so at first they were a little worried like he's got a lot of energy uh, because he's a young dog he likes to play do you have enough energy to handle that? I'm like, yeah, and the positive thing is I can be with him 24-7, and I am. Ever since, everywhere I go, pretty much, he's there. He follows me around the house. He goes with me when I do little errands. He... He uh, sticks his head in the shower when I'm taking a shower and just makes sure I'm still there uh, behind the curtain. <laughs> and so, you know, he, um, I mean, I can't remember the last time I went to the bathroom by myself, basically. <laughs> it's, been, it's been years now since I've used the restroom alone. Um yeah, because he, he he just pretty much goes everywhere I go. And uh, now we're super attached. He cuddles with me every night. He's super sweet. He's incredibly intelligent. Seriously, he is just unreal with his intelligence level. He knows more English than a lot of people, humans know English. (laughs) I can say some complex things to him and he gets it. It blows my mind. He listens so intently too when I speak to him. He looks intensely at me with his ears up listening to exactly what I'm saying. And he gets it. He understands what I'm saying. Uh, it's just unreal. 
He's got stairs going up to the bed so he doesn't have to jump up. He used them right away. And I also got him a potty pad to use. Well, I've talked about the potty pad before. Um, <laughs> I got him a potty pad to use on the balcony, too, so I didn't have to take him out every time he had to go because that was really taxing on my physical abilities. And he learned right away. He learned right away that he can go out and use the potty pad. And he has since been adopted had zero accidents. Zero. He is so smart, so good at, at communicating, and really has so much empathy. He just reads me like a book, and, and we have an excellent rapport. So it's, it's truly amazing. And, and now I'm at a point where I, well, I've been at this point for a while now where I could not have imagined my life any other way without Carter. Despite all the medical issues that I have, and passing out, everything bad, having him around always gives me joy. It is physically impossible for me to be sad in his presence. And that says a lot. You know, they, they do say to people, Animals do bring a lot of joy to people, and there is a such thing as animal therapy that people take their animals and to people that are in rehab, people that are chronically ill or mortally ill. Um, and it, it's been proven that you just... Giving attention to an animal and petting them reduces your blood pressure and helps you to relax. You know, there, there's a direct benefit from that. And, and they've got the same dopamine receptors we have in our brain and we get the same stimulation that they get. So... It's really amazing how close humans and dogs are to one another. There's no other two species that are like that. I mean, you could even say horses maybe a little bit, but... I don't know if anyone taking their horse into their bed at night. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds terrible. Anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't think there's too many other species on Earth, except for humans and dogs, 
that have actually just evolved with each other and benefited tit for tat for each other, the way humans and dogs have. And the benefit they give to a person's mental health and physical health is absolutely incredible. He gives me exercise that I need to do as little or as much as I can do at least to keep my heart going. He gives me love and cuddles if I need it. And it is absolutely a mutually beneficial relationship. And one more thing I'll say about Carter is the day he was picked up in that trailer in a police raid was the same day Nero passed away. So, I don't know. Perhaps some things were indeed just meant to be. dogs in my life that I've had. I've had other dogs, I should say. When I was a child, of course, I always grew up with dogs. Um, I'm just talking about the dogs I myself owned, you know, not the family dog that we had when I was a kid. Anyway, now that I've shared that, I can at least say I finally talked about in depth about the very dog who will eat my face. <laughs> Which, of course, is a tongue-in-cheek, horribly morbid joke in and of itself. And I hope everyone understands that. Uh, there's so many news stories out there of people dying in their sleep at the first thing their animals do, their cats or their dogs, is they eat their owner's face. I know, it's gross, but... That's why I named it for my podcast. I know, I'm weird. <laughs> I had to choose a very morbid name. Um, but... At least... Now you all know that I do have a genuine love for these two pooches and they've been wonderful for me and they are, well, Carter is now wonderful for me and I'd have it no other way. And 
maybe for some of you out there who are dealing with hardships of your own, emotional, physical, whatever it might be, if you haven't already, consider trying animal therapy. It's something that really helps. Uh, They do do it for people in rehab, like they have... uh, um, equitine therapy, which is like horse, horses, you know, they would take you out to ride horses and stuff. Um, other people sometimes adopt cats or dogs or they volunteer at shelters, no-kill shelters, uh, to help the animals. You don't have to take one in and support it 100%. You can help, oh God, hundreds of them. Uh, if you want, in a, in a no-kill shelter, you know, if, if you're able to. Um, I don't know if they have services that will bring them to you. I do know that there are sometimes volunteers that will bring animals to you to temporarily pet and be with and enjoy and you don't have to do all the dirty work that is you know you're not taking them to the bed and feeding them and wiping their butt (laughs) everything else involved with animal care Uh, I know there are some volunteer groups like that out there Um, so that might be something for people to look into as well if you're so interested. But anyway, I think there's a lot to that, that animals can really help us people, us humans, in our mental and physical well-being. And I know that that's been very well properly documented in studies. I'm not making this up, so. It not only works for me, it's also worked in studies that have been done, so. Anyway. Now you know uh, who I speak of. (laughs) And I've taken the time to share a lot of the details of Nero and Carter, who have been very wonderful companions, both of them, truly, in my life. And I would not trade them for anything nothing I know I just didn't get lucky so maybe I did I don't know but I don't think so I think there's a lot of good animals out there that need to be cared for and if you have it in you to do it I say go for it, but 
आवी व्रता एंड हे लुक थ्रू दिस होल पॉडकास्ट आई डिडंट फेंट ये सो आई नो देयर इज सम नेगेटिव न्यूज़ इन द बिगिनिंग बट इट इज व्हाट इट इज एंड I will just have to endure somehow and make it through that. I believe the Roman author Virgil once wrote that all things can be mastered through endurance. All I have to do is endure. And those troubles will pass. So with that said, I thank you very much for taking the time to listen to my voice and my thoughts. and for now i must say of it the same until next week hopefully <laughs>